This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, episode 002. Today we're going to be recapping the Steelers' 26-9 victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Before I do that, Nick, I just want to regale the audience about the glories of Game Pass. It's changed my life for the better, and uh, I was in a hotel, I was in an airport hotel in Chicago at the time of the uh, game, so I was unable to watch it because I was in a meeting, but later on Mm -hmm. that night I came back and on my four inch by six inch android was able to watch the entire game and by the way without commercial but nice. i was so i was able to see the game eventually uh still didn't have the coaches film but it was it was in, in the way that email changed my life in 1994 nfl game pass has done that for me now hey there have been big inventions uh particularly by american citizens over the past 20 years i think we can all agree none of them even come close to the invention of NFL Game Pass. I've watched this game like probably upwards of five times already. So we like to start out our podcast uh, talking about the big themes of the game. You want to take that, Nick? Yeah, so every week we're going to try and give you three big themes from the game. Not four, not one. We're going to give you three big themes and try and expand on those. Then we'll move into the grades. But number one theme, in my opinion... Uh, regarding the game against the Vikings is that this was a noticeable improvement in the play of the Steelers versus what they did against the Browns. I think that the offense looked a little bit more alive. Yeah, it sputtered at different points and only got the ball in the end zone two times, but there there was some rhythm that actually occurred in the game. It looked like this isn't a finished product, yeah, but Le'Veon Bell looked a little bit more athletic. Ben was a bit more aggressive. Martavis actually got in the game. I thought that it was a great step forward in the right direction. I actually thought we'd do a little better against Case Keenum, uh, given his proclivities for rookiness in his third year. But um... Yeah, that, I mean, that would be my second big point as well. The, it wasn't a great litmus test. I think Steeler Nation was looking forward to seeing how the Steelers' defense did against a non-rookie quarterback or non-rookie-like quarterback. Case Keenum, obviously, like you said, he's been in the league for a few years, but he doesn't present the same challenges as Sam Bradford. That being said, take the wins where you can get them. Usually, you look at the Steelers the past few years, if they've played two bad teams in a row, they're going to lose one of those games. That's the way they drop those games, and I think that's what's cost them field, uh, home field advantage in the past few playoffs is dropping those games that they shouldn't have lost. And not that I'm saying the Vikings are a bad team. They're, they're stacked. They're a really good team. But when you go from Sam Bradford to Case Keenum as the quarterback, that, that removes the majority of the competition, in my opinion. 
So another indication that we still have a little bit of rust on the wheels is the penalties weren't cleaned up. We were 10, penalty, 10, 10 penalties for 72 yards. I think that is, uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's being focused on during the week, but we still haven't cleaned that up. Yeah, that would be the third big point. So first point is it's, it's a noticeable improvement. Second point, not a great litmus test with Keenum in there. And the third point is the penalties are not cleaned up. And the first drive is a great example of this. On third down, Ben had a really nice play, completion to X-Man, Xavier Grimble, to get the first, pick up the first down. It was like a third and four type deal. He did a play action rollout. It was like a little waggle. You could see that he was looking in the flat to his receiver. I think it was A.B., he had a couple guys in his face. He noticed that that guy was covered, and he quickly went to his second or third option and hit Grimble with a bullet in between a couple guys for the first down. Really nice play. Would have moved the drive along, giving you some momentum on the first drive of the game. Gets uh, They get called for an illegal formation penalty. So immediately you start the game killing your momentum. They eventually had to punt after one play later. So. Don't think uh, the penalties are quite as bad as they were against the Browns, but still, 10 penalties, that's a lot for a team that's usually not that penalized. Well, Before we move into the grades, I just want everybody out there to imagine what it's like to avoid hearing the score of a game when the game's <laughs> going on, when you're trying to say, I want to watch the recording when I get back. On the airplane, there was actually an announcement about the Bears. We were going into Chicago, and I just had to plug my ears during the meeting I was at, people were talking about football, and I had to walk out to the restroom multiple times to avoid any kind of conversation. And wouldn't you know it, as I came into the um, hotel, passing by the bar with multiple large screens playing football replays, I had to duck my head and get into the elevator as quickly as possible. But I was successful. I had no idea what the result of the game was when I launched it on wow. NFL Game Pass. So That's how the champions do it. Not easy to do. That was our beta test, too. I'm, I'm worried about it a little bit because I'm going to be traveling this year a little bit on the weekends. And we talked about it. Is it possible? Is it humanly possible to not hear about these scores, especially with the amount we've broadcasted our fervor for the Steelers over the years? So whenever the Steelers are playing, I'm getting texts. So I'm thinking I'll be on airplane mode at that point. But one for one, uh, maybe you got to wear those blackout sunglasses next time just keep any TVs out of the line of sight, but good success. And then once again, we can thank Holy Game Pass for the, the happy end of that story. Sure. I think that's a great idea. Actually, I was thinking about, I turned off all my notifications. I think airplane mode is easier. You shut down everything. No, nobody can email you. But I was thinking about getting the blinders the horses wear because the scores come from places you would never expect, including, including flight attendants, Little yeah, old ladies who you boys. would think had no interest in the NFL. Yeah, street peddlers, anybody. Everybody's talking about it. They could be filming a direct TV commercial across the street. I don't know. Blackout blinds, blackout shades, good stuff. Why don't we, uh, speaking of blackout blinds and blackout shades, the black and gold did a good job on all three facets of the game. Why don't we talk about some of the grades today? We're going to talk about some of the grades. I think you're going to give it some of the nuance. I was watching the game at 1.30 my time, which I haven't seen since um, you were born, probably, anyway. So I'm going to rely on you to give some of the nuance. I, do, I did a lot of the statistical analysis, so I'll try and bring some flavor in where appropriate. Well, never fear. I watched the game about 600 times, as I said earlier. So we're going to start uh, with the big picture, offense. Some people disappointed with the offense this week. Only scored two touchdowns, much like the week before. But 
They really move the ball. I'm going to give the offense a B minus. And let me clarify why I'm giving that grade. So here's a couple of good things that they did. Number one, like I said, improvement. This is not a finished product. You got two guys, Le'Veon Bell, Martavis Bryant, who are stars, but they've missed a lot of football. Obviously, Martavis Moore. And both of those guys specifically were much more involved than they were in the first week. So that's a great improvement. Also, the team had a little bit of rhythm this week. They didn't, they got those penalties like we mentioned earlier in the game, but kind of shook those off and moved forward and actually moved the ball consistently against a really good defense. They're a top five or top three defense from last year. They have studs at every level of the defense. They got multiple pro bowlers in the front seven and multiple pro bowlers in the secondary. So to score 26 points against a defense like that, that's great. I know Case Keenum kind of helps that, but I mean, he's not on defense, but he's not moving the ball up. But 26 points on a defense like that and actually moving it, that's great. Really good stuff. Red zone percentages. That's another one. Big improvement. First two trips in the red zone. Unfortunately, the only two trips into the red zone. But regardless, scored touchdowns on both of them. That's great. Red zone percentages going up from last year where that was a big deal. And they're finding ways to get different players the ball over there. Whether it's Juju or Martavis or wherever it might be, Jesse James from last week, the Steelers are making use of their multitude of weapons. And then the last thing I would say for the for the positive elements is that the offense was confident. It was aggressive. The deep throws were almost – it was almost laughable how often Ben was throwing deep and maybe half of them worked, maybe a little bit, of ha- a little bit less than half. But the rewards that they paid were huge. And I think that even – the Vikings were a little bit surprised at how often the Steelers were going bombs away. It did seem a little, I was a little um, quizzical about that because it didn't seem that they served much yeah. purpose because I didn't see AB wide open. I mean, um, Rhodes, Rhodes actually had an, did an excellent job of coverage during the game. He did, yeah. I, I would agree with your, uh, your B-. minus. I rated them as a C initially when I um, – because I looked at total yards, obviously, third job – Total yards, 237 yards. Third down conversions, they, they converted a third of their third down opportunities. But their scoring efficiency, they, were, they scored on 50% of their possessions. And the red zone scoring, as you pointed out, was was 100%. So they did that against a big-time defense. Right. I, I, don't, I think we can quibble about certain things, but a B-minus seems like a solid grade. Right. And you make a good point with the, the third down percentage is brutal. It was like 3 of 13 or something like that. And that's pretty bad. And the reason why I, I, give them the, I, I give them the minus on the B is because of some of those things we mentioned. Like two touchdowns is just not going to cut it. Listen, we've seen this offense fly high. Two years ago when they played against that Denver Broncos all-time great defense, you know, particularly in the first game when they still had A.B. and D'Angelo Williams playing, they cruised. They crushed them. They put up a ton of points on them. They put a ton of points on the Seahawks that year. And last, last year, they put up some points on some good defenses. So two touchdowns, not going to cut it. And the penalties did put them behind the, behind the chains a little bit. But like we said before, not a finished prod, product and just a, a big jump from last week against the Browns. You know, I, I was, I'm not a – I don't know if I, I actually believe in momentum. But, you know, given that right. uh, – you mentioned that Denver game. I think if Ben would have con- uh, connected with AB on one of those early throws, it would have – there is yeah. moment. There would have been momentum, and we could have rolled up in that game. But um, but it did put them on notice that we weren't. We were gonna. We were not gonna be conservative, 
and we're going right. for it. So I actually appreciate that. I, I, I don't like a conservative game. I want something exciting because after our, we are paying a lot for NFL Game Pass and DirecTV. <laughs> and, and Sunday ticket, right? I, I really like that point, though, about the momentum because a lot of media and a lot of people want to talk about motivation and momentum for NFL players. Well, the, the motivation thing is just false. These guys are playing for millions of dollars or for their job. And the, to even to get to the NFL, the way you have to be wired is to be a crazed man who has pride about what he's doing. So that's not real. But momentum, I, after watching Ben for so many years, he really does go, go off some momentum. We've seen him have some massive games. When Ben gets hot, I don't think that there's a quarterback who's Absolutely. better than him. Absolutely. When, I mean, just look at the, the streak a couple years ago when he threw the six touchdowns against Indianapolis and then came back and did it again against the Ravens and then just went cold the next week. I think they played the Jets. So you see Ben sometimes throw some clunkers out there, but when he gets hot, he does it against the, some of the best defenses you'll see. So let's segue into, let's segue into the um, grade for quarterback. I agree with you. He made a lot more plays. He was yeah. wrapped up a couple of times and just so calm and cool and collected and got rid of the ball and yeah. at one point uh, made an unbelievable connection with AB for a first down on the left sideline. Yeah, it looked like some vintage Ben, young Ben. It does make my heart stop every time it happens because he may be looking like young Ben, but his body is nowhere close to young Ben. And we've seen him go down on some of those hits recently. But he he actually managed to slip out of a couple of those a little bit a little bit more. When I watched the the replay again, that one you were talking about was incredible sideline connection to to A B. And it just shows you the guy was talking about retiring before the year. He, the guy does not need to retire. I watched Eli Manning play on the Monday night game, and I've seen Carson Palmer play a little bit this year, two of the older, elder statesmen, and even Phillip Rivers. And you look at those guys play, and they've lost something on the ball. The velocity isn't quite there. They struggle with different trajectories sometimes. Even Tom Brady has struggled with some velocity recently. Andrew Brees, all those old guys. Ben got wrapped up by a guy, let him slide down to his ankles and didn't even step into the throw, just flicked it out there to A.B., who was blanketed by Rose. That was one of the coolest plays of the day, for sure. So that being said, he he made a lot of great plays and looked more comfortable than he did last week. He was aggressive. He was much more accurate on the slants and crossers. Though That was creeping me out week one, how he was missing some of that stuff. But he was he was much more accurate had some great hard counts in the game, and did a lot of good things. But I'm going to give him a B because we do expect a little bit more from him. He missed a couple intermediate throws. He had some really nice reads on some third downs, but um, excuse me, <clears throat> he can't seem to connect with Eli at 12 yards. He throws it over his head every time, and he missed a couple that he should have hit. And then it was cool that he was bombs away. But he did make some pretty bad decisions on some of those bombs where you can see guys running wide open underneath. There was one where Juju was dragging across the field with no one within 10 yards of him. And Jesse James was open on one to the left sideline. And I like the bombs way, but those guys would have gained 20 yards on those. So, you know, he had, he had a good game. I think people were – it's weird. They're complaining about the bombs. I mean, Ben has run this Steelers offense for the past few years off of smart plays, but – Really throwing a lot of bombs, and I actually think they were pretty successful overall. The first two ones netted about 80 yards of pass interference, and the one to Martavis, and even the one to AB, if that guy didn't 
tackle Martavis or AB, that's probably going to be a 60, 70 yard touchdown. So those were good decisions on my uh, on uh, on Ben's part. That's something we should look for going forward if people are going to start uh, grabbing those guys when they get behind them. But he gets a beat for me. Well, one of the things we do a little differently here is we do uh, grade by position, but we break out Le'Veon and we break out IB because they're just special players. And, and when you look at Le'Veon Bell, 27 carries for 87 yards, uh, 3.2 yards per carry. He had the only rushing big play, and in, in, uh, frankly, it was 11 yards, but uh, much it? improved over last week. And I, I see a lot of hope. I mean, that could have been a 100-yard game with one more big play. Yeah, absolutely. I think... The way I would describe Le'Veon's game is he was effective, not dominant. We do expect dominant from Le'Veon Bell, but he gained a lot of necessary yardage when there was minimal blocking. There weren't a lot of holes. I think uh, another back would have maybe only had 40 yards. That defensive front from Minnesota is awesome, and the Steelers haven't quite found their groove with the run blocking yet. So he gained some some better yardage later in the game when the holes were opening up. He mentioned that in the press conference that later in the fourth quarter they started uh, to really open up some big holes, and he was awesome in pass blocking. He had some great pass pickups, and he did Le'Veon Bell things. So but, we were only – we were only uh, there is nobody really else to, to grade in that category, but I would point out James Conner got a nine-yard run, which was nice. He did. That was nice. But my favorite, my favorite plays are the reverses to Martavis, and, and it was a productive seven-yard reverse to, to Martavis. He was one of the best running backs. He had the best average. Well, I guess James did with the nine-yard run. I would say the one thing about Le'Veon that still tells you that he's trying to get up to speed is he didn't make any of those, wow, Le'Veon Bell is the greatest running back on the earth plays, where particularly when he makes those catches like two yards in front of the line of scrimmage when Ben just dumps it off to him, it always seems like there's a guy speeding towards him like a flaming bullet, and somehow he catches it and makes a spin move or a quick juke and gets out of the guy's way and gets 10 to 20 yards. And those are the kind of plays that separate him from being a top 10 running back into being basically the greatest running back on the face of the planet in the history of the world. I'm sure his mom would love to hear this podcast right now. Yeah, maybe we can convince him to stick around. Well, let's move on to AB. And I think, you know, it's fascinating. that He's attracted double and triple coverage at times. But Xavier Rhodes... Is it Xavier or Xavier? Xavier. Xavier. Let's go with that. Some people do say Xavier, but I believe it's supposed to be pronounced Xavier. Really nice job of coverage in that game. Yeah, he's great. I don't know if I should be telling him how to pronounce his his name, but I'm pretty sure that's how they say it. Yeah, he was great. He stuck on AB. I think they mostly split their battles. But like I said, in the very beginning of the game, AB burned him deep for that 22-yard pass interference. And if Xavier Rhodes didn't grab onto him there, the stats look very different. Now, AB ended up with five catches for 62 yards and no TDs, but if Xavier Rose didn't grab him on that one, he would have had, what, like six for 122 and a touchdown. It's a very different game, but he did get the yardage on that. Um, had some amazing vintage sideline catches. Tony Totap, he's in the house, baby. Unbelievable. Love it. It's incredible. You don't even wonder if it was a catch when it comes to him. With anybody else, you say, ooh, I don't know if he got his feet down, but it's 100% of the time. He gets his feet down on those things. It's crazy. He did well, drop one, though. I will, I will have to bring him down to a B minus just because six for five for 62, no touchdowns. Like I said, there's some hidden yards, yardage there, but that's just not quite up to the AB standards. And 
there was that kind of po- that slant post play where Xavier Rhodes was all over him, but the ball did hit him in the chest. And that's the kind of play that most receivers don't make, but A.B. makes routinely, and he missed that one that day. So going to have to give him the B-minus for this game, but still very effective. We were also treated to some vintage Martavis Bryant. I mean, he had um... – I got my stats right. He had he had the splash plays. He did. Huge plays. And a beautiful touchdown catch catch and run. I was just talking about him to some friend with somebody else. I guess some friends of mine the other day we were talking fantasy and they were talking about having him in fantasy. I'm like, he it's it's a hard call with him because some games he'll give you one catch for eight yards, and then the other games he'll give you three for 120 and a touchdown. So He's not a high-volume catch guy. He has had some high-volume catch games, like that awesome game he had filling in for A.B. in the AFC Divisional playoffs. But really, he covers a lot of ground. With the, He's more about quantity than quality, and, and he made huge plays that were field-flipping and scoring. So I thought that he did a great job getting back into it. Well, I think he has quantity in yards, maybe not in the PPR leagues. Right, uh, there you go. So I think that Ben did enough. Uh, it was kind of a really – everybody had three to five – Catches um, yeah. across the board from the wide receiver court and core. And I think we graded them out at a B plus. Yeah, I gave them a B plus because there were some funky, gross drops that occurred last week and some routes that were run wrong or people kind of quitting on the ball. And you didn't see any of that. They were mostly sure-handed. There was a couple big-time plays where they beat their guys deep. And let me remind you that that's an awesome secondary back there. There's two pro bowlers and then a couple first rounders and there's a geriatric 48 you know 100 year old man in terrence newman but still and uh they found open zones they're they're getting used to to finding intermediate zones my favorite play from martavis and ben said the same thing on his radio show this morning was probably the slant that he caught for a first down in the middle of three people we all know that martavis can burn deep and score those big touchdowns but if you get him making those intermediate catches that he was starting to make when he was heating up in, what was it, 2015? Feels like 2001. But a couple years ago, if he starts making those catches in the middle, man, he's going to transition to a whole new level. All that being said, this Steelers wide receiving course should be the best one in the entire league. And you kind of expect them to go a little bit more above and beyond. All three of the main receivers – A.B., Marty, and Eli all missed at least one tough catch. Like Martavis got basically tackled on that deep ball that got the pass interference, but it looked like he still could have caught it. It bounced off him. It would have been a great catch, but you kind of expect that from a great receiver like him. Eli missed one, and A.B. missed the one that we talked about earlier, and they didn't always create separation from those great defensive backs. So they played well. That's why we'll give them a B plus, but I can't really give them an A because they – they didn't really make enough wow plays for me. They were effective, but they didn't really go totally above and beyond. Well, if, you, if your expectation is higher for the Steelers, I'm not even sure I'd give them a B plus. But part of it had to do with um, number of targets and, and how Ben was passing. But I, uh, I, So I think I'd rate them a B. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. We might have a little bit of a disagreement on the offensive line grade. All right. Where did you What do you got it? for them? Well, I gave them a B. And um, I know this is uh, – so statistically, Ben was only sacked two times, which is kind of average. But he yeah. only – the quarterback – he only uh, – they allowed four quarterback hits, which is a little below average. 
And I account for the fact that Villanueva was uh, obviously on his deathbed, and somehow they wheeled him out onto the field for that. Yeah, he had uh, the plague. So I think that had some of the some some responsibility on the coaches for uh, the lack of protection. Yeah, Villanueva was like literally a shell of a man, like a shell of a giant at that time. Ramon Foster said this morning that he lost twenty pounds that week. Couldn't keep anything down. So I was wondering what was going on with him. I kept writing over and over again in my notes, Villy getting dominated by Everson Griffin. But you got to cut him a break when you find out that he hadn't eaten in a week, I guess. That being said, you know, there might be a reason for why he played poorly, but he still played poorly. And two sacks, that's not bad. You're, you're right. Although the Steelers only gave up 16 all last year, so that's about one sack per game. You kind of expect this to be one of the top three best offensive lines in the game. I don't really hold the sacks against them too much because with all the deep passing, that's going to make Ben hold on to the ball a little bit longer. But it did, I did like the pass protection. Just the run blocking didn't cut it. You know, I know this is a team with a great defensive front, but I think last year the Steelers' offensive line showed that they can run against any team. Last year when you got into the end of the season when the Steelers were riding that win streak and into the playoffs, everybody knew Le'Veon Bell was getting the ball 30 times. Nobody could stop it. They just haven't quite opened up those holes. Now I will add that Mike Tomlin added something interesting with regards to the lack of long runs or explosive runs. They didn't get a lot of help on the perimeter, and we'll move on to that when we get into the tight ends in a second here. But some of the blocking by the receivers and the, and the tight ends didn't help the offensive line in getting in bigger holes. But I just expect more from the O-line, so I give them a C. C is about average. So that's kind of an average game for what they've shown. All right, why don't you roll into the tight ends? Why don't you so roll into the tight ends? You get him a C plus. I thought it was a brilliant coaching move when Villanueva was uh, – first of all, Hubbard came in. I thought he did a good job, an okay job after that. Yeah. Um, but no, he did. we countered with uh, the outlaw, who, true to form, was magnificent on the offensive line. <laughs> he he <laughs> ran backwards more than he ran forwards. Well, he hurt his ankle on like the first or second play of the game. So, again, there's an excuse for why he didn't play great, but the, he didn't play great. You know, that's how it goes. He played all right. He was okay blocking. There was one play that was not his fault at all where Haley basically called a play action where – Jesse James was responsible for Everson Griffith, the guy who was single-handedly terrorizing our whole offensive line, and he allowed a sack there. But that that was a weird play call, in my opinion. Uh, they had a couple solid catches. Je- uh, X-Man's catch got called back on that first third down, but I liked seeing him make that catch in traffic. Uh, Jesse made a couple catches that you kind of expect him to make, but overall, blocking wasn't awesome. I think that that contributed to Le'Veon not making longer runs, and they didn't really pose any threat in the red zone at all. So I give them a C plus. Yeah, especially they since bad, but they didn't they didn't really do anything. Yeah, Jesse's touchdown average has now gone down from two to one a game. Disappointing. That's a fifty percent decrease for all you science majors out there. Uh, let's let's talk about the coach, Mike Tomlin. Mike T. Much better week this week, in my opinion. Because? Because I think that the game was a bit cleaner. Not just in the penalties department. Obviously, we noted before they still had 10 penalties, but they didn't look like some sort of traveling football circus in a bad way. Like the cheap 
underneath the highway one. We're not talking Barnum Bailey's here. That Browns thing was gross. No momentum at all. But I think that he gave great preparation uh, to the Steelers. He really prepared them to play a really physical team in the Vikings who have a lot of continuity. A lot of their guys returning from the past few years and against a coach, Mike Zimmer, who's really familiar with what the Steelers do conceptually. And I also like the fact that he, along with his coaching staff, totally changed the game plan from last week against the Browns to fit the opponent. Last week, offensively, you know, it's a it's a lot of short passes and spreading them out. And this week it was all tight formations, power runs or chucking deep 50 yards downfield. And that was because the safeties in the corners on that team, Mike Zimmer's team, they press up. They kind of challenge you to throw deep. The, some of the coaches and Ben were talking about this morning. They want to see if their pass rush can get there. It, basically, if you can hold off their pass rush, you're going to have a chance to, to take a shot deep. So I like how he did that. But at the same point, at the same time, he had two just agonizing <laughs> decisions that he made. First off, I am very glad that we got to delay a game on the two-point conversion. I I just I don't like the two-point conversions. And I know we've had different percentages. Sometimes they're over 50%. Sometimes they're under. But Chris Boswell is a sure thing. I think he's missed like one ever. So just let the man kick the extra point. And then there was another weird one when Canada uh, twiddled his thumbs and got a false start penalty and knocked the Steelers out of field goal range. But then the Vikings gave it right back, gave the five yards right back, and Tomlin elected not to to kick the field goal just because Barry kicked the punt that hit down at the one yard line. Like take the points, man. That's such a weird decision. I do not watch this game to see extra points kicked. As you pointed (laughs) out, Boz never misses. I want some excitement. He infused excitement back into the game. As a matter of fact, even with that delay of game, I would have, I would have gone for the two points even when we're at the seven, because I think there's just more room to operate. That's Tommy Ball. So I downgrade Tomlin for not going for two points when we were (laughs) at the seven-yard line. And I'm not going to listen to you badmouth the United States of America. Who's with me? Anyways, let's move on to Haley. I think we can agree, though, that Tomlin did a better job than last week. He's he's getting the boys ready. Yeah, definitely. I mean, hey, he's the man. We're we're, we're grading him against his potential. So Todd Haley, I'm going to give him an A. For the second week in a row, I think that he took what the defense gave him. And he designed a cool game plan that exposed the defense's weaknesses and some of the um, lack of success, I guess, if you want to call it that, on offense was more execution. You know, people not blocking blocking enough on the perimeter for some of those holes and then not checking down to not even the shorter guy, but just to those intermediate guys on those those long routes. He had uh, some good plays called... And, and drew up plays that got receivers wide open, especially on those crossing ones. There were the, the couple crossers that Ben did not throw, but then there were a couple that he did hit to A.B. later in the game. And when you see the offensive coordinator scheming people open, that's a big difference than when you just have a great quarterback and receiver out there making contested catches and throws. So some of those wide open plays against a really good defense were, were encouraging. I give Haley an A. I agree. So moving on to, uh, where are we moving on to the defense? We're going to go to defense. I was going to start with the defense in general, but while we're on the coaches, let's just talk about Keith Butler, who I'm also giving an A. Mike Zimmer talked about this in the uh, in the postgame press conference, and I agree with it. He said that a lot of the pressure 
that the Steelers were getting on the Vikings was due to a lot of exotic looks. And through two games, honestly, it's looking kind of Dick LeBeau-ish out there. And there's a lot of corner blitzes and and fire X. I haven't I don't know if I've seen a lot of the fire X blitz, but you've seen linebackers moving around, some of these outside guys dropping back, and it's just general chaos in the front. I thought that was creative. There was a there was a a, a lot of relentlessness going on up front. I agree, and I think uh, Case Keenum was uh, suffering from delusions of Steelers around him, probably I, even when he went home I, that I, night. I think so, too. There was actually a couple where I thought that he could have stepped up in the pocket. Maybe Sam Bradford would have done that. But regardless, he was creative in getting pressure. And I think he now has the guys that he's confident in. You know, there's some continuity back there. So they're starting to get some chemistry. And I think that Hayden and Artie are improving with their man-to-man skills, which is – which they still have a little ways to go. But either way, I'm going to give I'm gonna give uh, Butler an A. A to the butt. Now, what about the defense in general? I I would give the I, I give them an, uh, an A. I mean, we can talk about um, Viking capability, but I I just felt like there was constant pressure. There might have been um, there was one splash running play. Otherwise, the Steelers held uh, the Vikings to fewer rushes. Uh, what three? Yeah, it was three like yards. three. I think it was like four point seven yards per carry if you count the twenty five yard rush in there. I mean, which happened. But if you take that one play away, it downgrades them like 3.3 yards per carry right no touchdowns on on in receiving um 8.4 yards in receiving so i have a i think it was an a game and uh, and maybe uh they benefited from a an underpowered quarterback but they did what would you say if they hadn't delivered so you can't do any better than what they did and interestingly i guess we'll get to this when we get to the linebacker so i'll hold on that comment about chicolo Right, yeah. Hold on to that. Basically, I mean, you make a good point. It's like, what do you expect from them? You got to beat the team that you that you play against. I I'm gonna give them a B, however, though, because I do think that that's interesting. Where if you take that one run out, it actually looks like they played a very good game against the run. But Dalvin Cook only had 12 carries, and I and I do think that there were some creases there, and he had a couple other nice runs of five and ten yards. And I, I wonder what would have happened if he were able to get up to 20. I, I never felt like they had totally shut down that run game. And there were some open passes that they left deep, although a lot less than they left open against the Browns where there were some real wide open guys. So I'm going to give him a B. I do think one of the best things that happened, well, two of the best things was one, the pressure, just the general pressure they were getting. And number two, this defense finally has some depth. Tyson Alulu has been playing very well. And Chicolo seems like he's turned a little bit of a corner. So I give him a B. I thought that they played pretty well. But I don't even know if Case Keenum has won like five games as a starter. So with the defensive line coming up next, I don't think we're going to have too much of a disagreement here. I'm giving him an A. I thought that they have really become a force to be reckoned with right now. I thought that they had a great game. Obviously, Cam Hayward showed up big time. He just lived in the backfield. And listen... It looks like there's some real depth there. We mentioned Alulu, and it looks like these guys have drafted well to it once he gets back in there. He was an all-world player in the first two plays of the season, so you got to like that. Hargrave, quieter game, but he looks like a good player. Cam Hayward, we know who he is, and now adding Alulu to the mix, you finally got some depth there, and it looks like Alulu held his own as a starter. I thought that they played really well. 
It felt like the first Crusades. It felt like a collapsing castle to me every time the ball was snapped. So I, I agree with you, Beautiful. A. Nice. I don't think that there's much more to say. They're, they did a great job in the Browns game. They did a great job in the Vikings game. So if they, they get to it back and stay relatively healthy. A, let's move on to inside linebackers. Shake and bake, as they call themselves now. I'm going to give them a B plus. So I think Vince had a great game. I, I don't know if I have to say it was a bounce back game, but I thought he was you know, decent against the Browns, but he was all over the place against the Vikings. He had a sack. He had a QB hit. He crushed Dalvin Cook on a run that looks like he was going to break for 15. He just stopped him like a test crash dummy at, at like eight. And I know he, he got him past the line of scrimmage, but it was an amazing hit. And uh, yeah, he played really well. And Shazier, he covered a lot of ground as usual, like he usually does. Nothing spectacular from Shazier, but very reliable. What do you think about the linebackers from this game? I think uh, Shazier is like Silence of the Lambs. He's just scary all the time. He He's is. everywhere. He needs where he, he, I, I'm not so worried about splash plays. You, uh, we can note that he has overrun a few plays, but that aggressive, I think that's a high risk, high reward, and mostly we get rewarded with his aggressiveness. Yeah, that's so, part B of the way plus. he plays. So I'll give him a B plus as well. I agree. I just think that those guys have the potential to be one of the top tandems in the league, and they need to finish those plays. I said Vince Williams has a QB hit. I think that was he got that credit for basically getting Case Keenum wrapped up, at least with one arm, in his clutches and not making the sack. That was such a frustrating play. I think he threw it incomplete, or he completed the pass, and there was a penalty or something. But come on, dude. You get you got Case Keenum. He's a nice little church mouse of a man. You got to throw him to the ground. <laughs> You're a mean linebacker. So we need you to finish those plays. And then Shazier on that overran tackle that you were talking about. You got to make those plays. Those are the big difference in the game. Those are drive killers. You get 10-yard, 5, 10-yard losses like that that kill drive. So I thought they played well. Can't give them an A, though, because I need to see them finish those plays that they're capable of making. Well, can we move to the outside linebackers? Because I'm not going to make this about Chicolo. Love Chicolo, but it's interesting that um, he is in the game right before Harrison. Yeah, I guess they've turned the corner with that. And there's the passing been, the guard. Some, yeah. Yeah, the passing of the guard. There's been some disgruntled fans, and I think a little bit of a disgruntled Harrison. Ben talked to Harrison today. He. He talked about it on his radio show, saying that Harrison has no idea what happened. I think even Tomlin's hearing some of the grumbles because you hate to see a legend, one of the best players in the history of the franchise who's done so much for the team in terms of production and coming back and just being an overall legend, both on the field and in his atomic thrusting weightlifting accomplishments that he's accrued over the past few years. But listen, like Tomlin said, this is a good problem to have. There's guys that have moved up and looks like Chicklow's turned the corner. They're becoming one of the most fun uh, units to grade recently. I got to give them an A. Well, I want to give, uh, I want to confirm the A we gave, but because I think the, the player choice is good because we are preserving Harrison for the playoffs. And I agree. A, a glorious, a glorious flaming into the sun for his last, last season of his career. So a lot of people say that. A lot of fans wonder about that and really worried around the NFL. People who really know the NFL is that they you don't do that in the NFL. You play your best guys. So whether they're doing it on purpose or not, I think it will come in really handy. And Tomlin said there will be a game when he's going to play 25-plus snaps and make a big contribution. But especially when you think about 
rookies and they all say they hit that rookie wall. Now I'm hoping TJ doesn't and I'm hoping he stays healthy, but it sounds like Harrison could be really useful in the playoffs, assuming they make it just like he was last year. I also think uh, TJ Watt was awesome before the injury. I, I, there's a small sample size, but that SWAT, that tackle for a loss, he looks like he could be the real deal. And Bud turned the corner. He had a sack, a pass defense, QB hit. He's he's looking like the predator man that he is. I'll get, I I just want to go back to Chicolo for a second. I'm not you know, you play your best players. I'm not so sure that um, Harrison would be more effective than Chicolo. Chicolo uh, yeah, can sustain. Yeah, I think the and, think the same thing. So, um, I, like you said, it's a good problem to have. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And if Harrison is your backup, then you've really got some depth. So outside linebackers, A. A. How about the safeties? Let's move on to them. Safeties, we didn't get beat deep. Davis silently uh, picks up seven solo tackles. Yeah. So, and, and Mitchell had a pass defense. I think they um, they acquitted they, themselves well, but yeah, nothing, nothing splashy. Okay. I didn't think that they, I mean, they didn't get beat deep. Obviously, they didn't have a quarterback who's going to test them. It seems like they just, they're not having quite enough impact plays. And Davis took a brutal angle, terrible angle on that, on that aforementioned 25-yard run. He's got to clean that up. He had Mitchell inside to help him. Should have funneled the guy inside. And it's just hard to judge versus Keenum. But they, they seem a little bit silent. I feel like Mitchell hasn't had some of the impact plays that he's had recently. So I'm, I'm just going to give him a B-. minus. That brutal play is going to take him down from a from a B to a B minus because that was basically a long touchdown. So they were all right. Well, like you said, they didn't get they didn't have a quarterback that was going to challenge them deep, so they didn't get much of an opportunity to perform. But agree, B minus. We go to the cornerbacks. Same same story. Didn't get beat deep. Um, no wide receiver had what was the high score? It was forty four yards. And yeah. um, Mike Hilton led. Mike Hilton, what a great story. Yeah. What a great pickup. Led the team in tackles with nine, seven of them solo. Uh, solo, good blitzing and one quarter, one awesome quarterback hit. Yeah, it's, he's just got like a he's a, a bullet knack. He's a silver bullet. He's a gleaming, glorious, a glorious bullet. silver bullet Polished. soaked in holy water. Magnificent, gleaming through the midnight sky. Mike Hilton, brilliant. It always seems like there is a guy every year or two or every couple of years who emerges from training camp. It was Eli Rogers a few years ago where they were talking great about him in training camp, obviously got hurt, but the talk continued again the next year. And you can really tell at this point how they're feeling about a player. And you could tell Eli would be effective, and, and it's good to see Mike Hilton is getting in there. He got kind of pulled out a little bit against the Browns and rebounded, rebounded, rebounded excuse me, in a big way against the Vikings. And if you get him up to speed, uh, the way I look at it, the more these young guys play, the better you're going to be. At the end of the year, you know what you got in Willie Gay. It's great to see him playing. I think there there were a couple of lapses with some wide open wide receivers. It's going to happen, but still. But I do have to say, again, I need to see some of these guys go a little bit above and beyond. The expectation, really, the Steelers are looking to win the Super Bowl this year, and they got a team to do it. So, no, no interceptions against Case Keenum? You couldn't get one? Come on. I, I want to see an interception. Let's go, boys. So I'm going to give him a B. B. Which brings us, last but not least, special teams. And, uh, Favorite segment. Can we, this is when we get to talk about Dirty Red. We can talk about Dirty Red. I, I want to grade the, um, the, the, the special teams coach for the Vikings on that fake punt. Yeah, which, gloriously, ahead. we could thank them for giving <laughs> us the um, opportunity to, to see Dirty Red perform his magic. 
He's amazing. One week he's rushing full speed, reckless abandon, suicide bomber. See, I hope that's not too politically incorrect. But you guys know what I mean. What doesn't he do? He he's rushing right towards the punter, and this week he he realizes right away that he's got to stick with his man who's on that little sideline pattern. He plays it perfectly. He's he's just a consummate professional. Love Dirty Red. Love getting to say his name on the podcast too. So he played great. I thought that Boz was great. He's been kicking the ball out of the end zone. Seems like a little bit better than past years. Um, but all that's very nice, and it gets him an A. But the part that gets them the minus is freaking Cameron Kennedy. It makes him miss Greg Warren. The man got a false start for twiddling his thumbs. He didn't squeeze the ball properly. No. You, gotta just, you don't want to choke the life out of it, dude. And you, and you don't want to play with it either. Just leave it in your hands and toss it to the little Australian man with the pasty arms, number four, and let Boswell kick it. You, I mean, he directly took three points off of the board. That's brutal. Granted, they would have had the, – the Vikings almost gave them the opportunity to write back. And like I said before, for some reason, Tomlin just wasn't into points on that possession. But – Basically, with what he did, he took points directly off of the board. Now, it's not guaranteed that Boswell would have made it, but it was like a 47-yarder, and he has a pretty awesome percentage from that distance. So I got they get an A- minus because of that brutal mishap. So pulling it all together, um, I would assess the team. This was a B game against a lesser team, at least um, offensively a lesser team. I'm going to give him a B plus, honestly. I think that there was huge improvement from week one to week two in terms of production. And it came against a much, much better team that is way more talented than the Browns and has more continuity. They've been playing together for a while, too. So this isn't just some new all-star team that's still getting its legs. I thought that the Steelers really improved. We are happy that we got out of there with the win. Maybe you would have got a better test against Sam Bradford. Now you really don't play a good QB until you get you know, Alex Smith. And later in the season, you got to play Brady and Rodgers. But... Listen, the Steelers want home field advantage. They improved. We want them to be great in week 16 in the playoffs. Get the wins while you can get them. They played really well. We take on the Chicago Bears, who have not been impressive through two weeks, uh, scoring 17 and 7 points, respectively. We expect to uh, exceed or recede next week in um, Chicago and make sure and keep a lid on the scoring again. And hopefully the offense becomes totally uncorked. Yeah, so Chicago announced that they're going to start Mike Glennon, whose last victory as a starter came against the Steelers on that just gut-wrenching Kalima move uh, on that touchdown. It's like a 30-yard touchdown with no time left on the clock to beat the Steelers. But he is a steaming pile of garbage, and they got Trubisky waiting behind him. I don't know why they don't want to start the guy, but they're going to start Glennon and Hopefully the Steelers can take care of business. Like we said, the past few years, they end up losing one of these games and these streaks of bad teams. But I don't see that happening. I think they're going to take the Bears down. I think this is the game when they're going to uncork it. They're going to win by 20 points. But we won't make assumptions. I'm calling it. I'm going to say Steelers by at least 17. Let's go. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, we want to welcome some of the fans we've gathered. Uh, thanks for uh, the feedback you've got. We have people from Bethesda, Maryland, 
We have fans from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thank you. And we have a brand new listener from Winchester, Virginia. So thank you all for listening. Spread the word. And please give us some feedback on SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Okay, bye-bye. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana. Where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.